Please stand. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. I love the Lord, for he heard my voice. He heard my cry for mercy. The cords of death entangled me. The anguish of the grave came over me. You, Lord, have delivered me from death, my eyes from tears, my feet from stumbling. What shall I return to the Lord for all his goodness to me? I will lift up the cup of salvation and call on the name of the Lord. I will sacrifice a thank offering to you. Let us confess our sins to God and ask for his forgiveness. Almighty God, merciful Father, I confess to you that I have not loved you with all my heart in what I have done and left undone. I have pursued my ways instead of your ways. I have not loved my brothers and sisters as myself. For this I deserve your punishment both now and in eternity. I am truly sorry for my sins. I repent of them. I beg for your mercy, O Lord. Forgive us for the sake of Jesus Christ, who suffered and died for us. Almighty God has been merciful to us and has sent his son to die for all. For his sake, God forgives our sins and calls us from darkness to his marvelous light. Therefore, as a called servant of Christ, and by his authority, I forgive you all of your sins. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit.
Lord Jesus Christ, in the sacrament of Holy Communion, you give us your true body and blood as a remembrance of your suffering and death on a cross. Grant us so firmly to believe your words and promise that we may always partake of this sacrament to our eternal good. For you live and you reign with the Father and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. Please be seated, and I invite the new members to come forward. Dear members of St. Paul's, these people have been baptized and instructed in the teachings of God's word, and they now desire to become members of this congregation. Brothers and sisters in Christ, our Lord Jesus Christ promises to confess before his Father in heaven those who faithfully confess him on earth. And so you've come to this Christian congregation to declare your faith and to unite with us in Christian love and fellowship. Therefore, lift up your hearts to the God of all grace and answer these things. Do you believe in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? If so, answer, I do. Do you believe that the teachings of the Evangelical Lutheran Church, as you've come to know them from your Bible information class, that they are faithful and true to the Lord? If so, answer, I do. Do you intend to continue steadfast in the true Christian faith, to be diligent in the use of God's word and sacraments, and to lead a godly life even to death? If so, answer, I do, and I ask God to help me. Will you support with your prayers, time, talents, and offerings the work the Lord has given to this congregation? If so, again, I will, and I ask God to help me. Having heard your promises, we, the members of St. Paul's, receive you in fellowship and love and invite you to share in our worship and mission in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. I just ask you guys to turn around. I'm going to keep it brief. Just want to introduce you quickly. Gavin and Nicole Wallander, great to have you. Tim and Julie Bruner, great to have you guys. And Peter and Christine Wirth and girls, Claire and Cora, great to have you guys. And so, welcome. join you in communion tonight, and that was the goal. First lesson is from Exodus chapter 24. From the introduction, you're going to meet Jesus tonight, and you want to know something about him that the way you're going to meet him, or he's going to meet you, is going to be gracious. In this meeting, you're going to live and enjoy it, just like they did here. We read, then the Lord said to Moses, come up to the Lord. You and Aaron, Nadab and Abihu, and the 70 of the elders of Israel. You are to worship at a distance, but Moses alone is to approach the Lord. The others must not come near, and the people may not come up with him. When Moses went and told the people all the Lord's words and laws, they responded with one voice, Everything the Lord has said we will do. Moses then wrote down everything the Lord had said. He got up early the next morning and built an altar at the foot of the mountain and set up 12 stone pillars representing the 12 tribes of Israel. 
Then he sent young Israelite men and they offered burnt offerings and sacrificed young bulls as fellowship offerings to the Lord. Moses took half of the blood and put it in bowls and the other half he splashed against the altar. Then he took the book of the covenant and read it to the people and they responded, we will do everything the Lord has said, we will obey. Moses then took the blood, sprinkled it on the people and said, this is the blood of the covenant that the Lord has made with you in accordance with all these words. Moses and Aaron, Nadab and Abihu and the 70 elders of Israel went up and saw the God of Israel. Under his feet was something like a pavement made of lapis lazuli, as bright blue as the sky. But God did not raise his hand against these leaders of the Israelites. They saw God and they ate and drank. The word of the Lord. Second lesson from 1 Corinthians 11 also serves as a basis for the sermon. How do you want to meet Jesus? Well, you want to know that he's going to be forgiven. For I received from the Lord what I also passed on to you. The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. So then whoever eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of sinning against the body and blood of the Lord. Everyone ought to examine themselves before they eat of the bread and drink from the cup. The word of the Lord. Be and please stand for the gospel. The gospel from John 13, when you meet Jesus, what are you going to find? You are going to find the most incredible, ultimate, humble servant. It was just before the Passover festival, Jesus knew that the hour had come for him to leave this world and go to the Father. Having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. The evening meal was in progress, and the devil had already prompted Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot, to betray Jesus. Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power, and that he had come from God and was returning to God. So he got up from the meal, took off his outer clothing, and wrapped a towel around his waist. After that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash his disciples' feet, drying them with the towel that was wrapped around him. He came to Simon Peter, who said to him, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? Jesus replied, you don't realize now what I am doing, but later you'll understand. No, said Peter, you shall never wash my feet. Jesus answered, unless I wash you, you have no part with me. Then Lord, Simon Peter replied, not just my feet, but my hands and my head as well. Jesus answered, those who have had a bath need only to wash their feet. Their whole body is clean, and you are clean, though not every one of you, for he knew who was going to betray him. And that was why he said not everyone was clean. When he had finished washing their feet, he put on his clothes and returned to his place. Do you understand what I have done for you? He asked them. You call me teacher and Lord, and rightly so, for that is what I am. Now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also should wash one another's feet. I have set you an example that you should do as I have done for you. A new command I give you, love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. 
The Gospel of the Lord. Praise be to you, Christ. Please be seated for the hymn.
the name of Jesus, the world's only Savior, your fellow believers. Do you have your test sheets ready? Because every time we come to the Lord's house and this meal is offered, you're supposed to take a test. You are supposed to examine yourselves on the clear basis of 1 Corinthians 11. And it's a very critical test. It's a very important thing for you to take this. I mean, the whole point of a test is to see where you stand. What, what good is a test if it doesn't happen before? And that's the whole point. You take this test prior to taking the Lord's Supper. If you blow off the test when you come to the house of the Lord, or if you blow off a semester test, end of the year is coming, what good does it do anybody? And how does it help the teacher if you don't take the test for what you know about all of this. Now, keep in mind, when it comes to the context of the Lord's Supper, clearly Jesus is teacher, and every single one of us is a student. But when it comes to this particular exam, the whole point of this exam is not for Jesus. <laughs> he already knows exactly where you stand. He already understands the consequences of what sin has done to every one of us and how we failed. And so the whole point of the test is, do you? Do you understand where you stand? Do you have a clear realization of sin and a recognition of the consequences that you deserve because of it? Yes or no? Do you have an understanding of the breadth of sin all of it in the sight of God that we have committed. Individually, as we evaluate. And just how disgusting it is. Or, as you think about this in your exam, are you looking at it more as, well, that wasn't so bad, and I've got justification for that, and I'm really still kind of not sorry for that one. Yes or no? As you take the test, do you have clear a clear objective standard or are you letting your sinful nature be that standard? Well, well, this really wasn't sin to me. This was still kind of fun. This is... Or are you letting the Ten Commandments be that objective standard? The will of God, the word of God, because the sinful nature is biased. Every single one of us is biased if we're going to make the own, our own test and, and have our own standards. It must be the standards the Lord puts down in the word of God. And to take your words, your actions, even your thoughts, and to line them all up against what the word says objectively for what is, what is good and what is sin. And in that light, how have you performed? As a spouse? As a single person? As a parent? As a kid? as an employer, as an employee, all around as a Christian. And as you think through all of these things and you come to the only conclusion that you can, that every sinful box is checked, well, congratulations, you've passed the test, at least the first part. 
Because if anybody takes that test and they objectively take it, and yet they think they come out of it and say, well, both of my feet are not firmly, squarely planted in the sinner's camp, if you clearly, after taking this test, don't think that you're completely in every way a sinner, then please don't you dare come anywhere close to this meal. <laughs> this is not the meal for you. If anybody thinks that they're not a sinner in some way, shape, or form, or if they're still planning to go right smack dab back to the practice of sin, then when you come up, that pile of sins that each of and every one of us has, it's not taken away, even more sin is piled on top of it. That's exactly what Paul taught. He said, Whoever eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner. Now, it doesn't say you have to be a worthy person. Nobody can be a worthy person for this. But it's saying if you and I come up and, and enjoy this meal in an unworthy manner, with an untested heart, with unprepared mind, I'm not a sinner, I don't need a savior, that's unworthily. Whoever eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of sinning against the body and blood of the Lord. And so the whole point of this test is to expose sin. The whole point of the test is to bring sin to the forefront of our mind and heart and lay it bare and take away any hypocritical false pretenses that exist because we all have them. Then, And when you come up, you meet Jesus as you truly are, a sinner. And that's how he wants to meet you. And at the same time, you meet Jesus as he truly is, your gracious Savior. Because that's exactly what you receive, and Paul says, is in this meal. Your gracious Savior, Jesus. Paul wrote, For I received from the Lord what I also passed on to you. The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took bread and said, This is my body. He took the cup, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. Now, he wrote this to the Corinthian congregation. There likely wasn't a more discombobulated and disheveled congregation than the Corinthians. They, they messed up their potlucks. Some people got food. Other people didn't get food. I mean, basically, it was a food fight. Then there was tensions. I like Pastor Bodie. I like Luther. I, I like Pastor Miller. They had factions on, on who was the best preacher or which one was to follow. Just disgusting. And these things boiled over and became tensions between the entire congregation. And then it boiled over even more into their celebration of the Lord's Supper to the point where Paul said, when you come together, it's not the Lord's Supper that you eat. You guys are even messing up the Lord's Supper. What a terrible thing. And so what did Paul do for a place that was so backwards, so inside out and upside down? He took them back exactly to what did Jesus say. And now this was important, not just for the Corinthians, but it was even important for the Apostle Paul. Keep in mind, Paul was not there on that first Monday, Thursday. Paul was one abnormally born. He was brought to faith and, and called to apostleship on the way to Damascus. And so he wasn't there with the other disciples. 
And so it was very important for the Lord Jesus to tell Paul exactly what happened on that first Monday, Thursday, and Jesus did by revelation. And so what did Paul do with exactly what Jesus said? He passed it off exactly to the Corinthians. For I received from the Lord exactly what I passed along to you. On that first Monday, Thursday, on the evening Jesus was betrayed, Judas would do his, his work just a little bit later in the night. But on that very night of betrayal, Jesus took bread in the context of the Passover meal, and he took that unleavened bread, and he passed it around, but he said, this is my body. And then he took the cup and he said, take it and drink. Now, you don't drink a cup. You don't drink the physical vessel. And so he's referring to the contents in the cup. He's talking about the wine. Take the wine in the cup and drink the wine. Take it and drink. This is my blood. And so we recognize when you come to the Lord's Supper, you receive four things right there. Bread, along with Jesus' body. In a miraculous way, you receive wine. And you receive Jesus' blood in a miraculous way. And I can't explain how it's there. But we take Jesus at his word. That he's miraculously really there. This is not transformation, as some teach. A, a transubstantiation that he didn't say, this becomes my body. This becomes my blood so that the wafer and wine are no longer there. No, they're there. Just as they're there right now on the altar. But we trust with Jesus' word that this is a sacrament. His body and blood are truly present in that supper. This is also not representation as many Christians believe. That this is just a fake sideshow. Yeah, you're having, you're, you're having some nice snacks up here, but Jesus is really not there as some teach. That's representation. It's only a nice picture. It's only a nice postcard, but you really don't get the divine goods. No, Jesus is truly present here. We know because we've gone back with Paul to exactly what Jesus says. Now, if Jesus is really present here, sometimes people get a little scared and intimidated by this. Wait a minute, Pastor. I, you just explained in the first portion of the sermon, we're all sinners here, and that's at the forefront. So we have sinners here, and, and we have a holy God here in Jesus Christ here. We, we have two immovable objects, and yet they're moving towards each other. And, and what kind of massive chaos and explosion is this going to be? How in the world can sinner and holy God mix in this supper. Well, let's go back to the Passover. In the Passover, back in the Old Testament, the 10th plague, God said, take a lamb, sacrifice the lamb, catch the blood, eat the lamb, but paint the blood over the doorposts of your home. And that avenging angel passes over and spares your firstborn and the firstborn of your flocks. The blood covered their doorposts. That's the same thing that happens here in the Lord's Supper. As you meet Jesus and Jesus meets you, his body and blood cover you. They pay for your sin. They satisfy 
everything necessary for you for your forgiveness. And at the same time, it's not just Jesus covering you, it's you then taking your sin and it covers Jesus. Your sin is placed on his shoulders and by the sacrament, he connects you to the work that he was about to do and in our time has done, but in that original Maundy Thursday would do that very next day on Good Friday where he pays for your sin. Do you understand this isn't a mixture of you and Jesus per se, like mixing different kinds of blood together. It's an exchange. You receive Christ and Christ takes what you don't need. He takes your sin away. We know what Jesus says. And we believe what Jesus here gives in this supper. He said, take it and eat it. Take it and drink it. This is my body. This is my blood. And it's for you. And so in this sacrament, Jesus gives you himself. And in this sacrament, you give Jesus yourself. Your sin. And he forgives it. And he forgives you fully and completely in the once for all sacrifice that he made. Which is why he wants you to come up here exactly as you are. A repentant sinner. Trusting he gives exactly who he is. The miraculous body and blood that paid for the sins of the whole world, including yours. And that's what we receive. Then if that's what we get, we know what Jesus says, and we believe what Jesus gives, then practice what he teaches. Jesus said, do this. And so we're going to. He didn't say worship this. He didn't say bow down and adore this. He didn't say raise it up in the sky. He said do this. What's he talking about? He said take it and eat it. Take it and drink it. Do this. And really the context then, we could look at some of the Greek words. It implies do this often. And our congregation does. We do this with frequency several times a month and on special services like today. But then you get the clincher. He says, do this in remembrance of me. And this is why we test ourselves. This is not just supposed to be some monotonous tradition that we do. Well, everybody's going up, so I'm going to go up. Well, once upon a time, I learned what this was, but I really don't remember what this is anymore. This is just some, some tradition and routine that we do. Ridiculous. Absolutely not. Nor is this to be some kind of New Egypt Passover type thing. Just some historic thing that we think about. Yeah, this happened in history. It's way more than that. When Jesus says, do this in remembrance of me, he wants you to contemplate the depth of grace that you can never get to the bottom of in the fact that God gave his only son to live for you and to die for you. Do you understand while the wrath of God passes over you because of Jesus, it didn't pass over him. That God gave you his only son. That God gave you somebody who obeyed the Ten Commandments and the whole will and word of God perfectly 
in the life of Jesus Christ and that he offered it on your behalf so that you would never, ever have to fear the consequences of your sin, that you would never have to dread, well, am I, am I going to hell? Absolutely not. You're forgiven. The gospel is yours. Jesus is yours. And that from this meal, you would be built up by the gospel in considering Christ your Savior and what he did for you. That the strength that's here would lead you to go with God to fight temptation, to fight against sin, to go in love for God, to go forgiving whatever grievances you might have so that this is not a Corinthian congregation. Forgive the grievances you might have with your brothers and sisters. That you might go and serve your neighbor the way Jesus served all of mankind. And that we would come back and continue to practice this because it's what Jesus teaches with such a faith, with such a conviction, and with such understanding, you're ready for the test, and frankly, you've already passed it, because you know what Jesus says, because you believe what Jesus gives for you in this meal, and you're going to practice what he teaches. That makes this meal something for your highest good. Amen. Please stand.
Lord Jesus, you are the Lamb of God pictured in the ancient Passover feast, now giving your own body and pouring out your own blood in Holy Communion. Just as the Passover lambs assured the Israelites of God's promise to deliver them from death, strengthen our belief. Prepare us to receive this sacrament, remembering your death and repenting of our sins. We rejoice in our fellow believers who have been instructed in your word and confirmed in the Lutheran faith, who receive Holy Communion together with us. Pray for those absent from the sacrament because of their own neglect. Call them in your mercy to return and renew their faith. Keep in your care those unable to receive the sacrament often because they are homebound, hospitalized, imprisoned, serving in the military, or otherwise separated from the fellowship of believers. Encourage them so that they do not lose hope. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Our Lord Jesus Christ, on the night he was betrayed, took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and gave it to his disciples, saying, Take and eat. This is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Then he took the cup, gave thanks, and gave it to them, saying, Drink from it, all of you. This is my blood of the new covenant, which is poured out for you for the forgiveness of sins. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. And the peace of the Lord be with you always. Please be seated. Yeah. 